Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into From the Pink Seats. I am Jacob Lane. This is my co-host, Matt McGavick, and we are back talking more Louisville football. We have looked almost at every single position uh, along the roster so far heading into the 2021 season, uh, reviewing the depth chart, uh, just walking through, seeing what it's going to look like this year, Matt. And now we have made it to the end, my friend, looking today at the linebackers in the secondary. It's, it's, it's been a ride, man, but we're almost there. We're two weeks to the season. We're reaching the tail end of our depth chart previews. Football's almost here, man. I'm excited. All right, let's jump right into it. Again, we'll be looking today at the uh, linebacking cores and the secondary, two groups that we've heard a lot of praise uh, this offseason, specifically in fall camp. We're recording this um, on the Sunday, third Sunday of fall camp, if I'm not mistaken, Matt. Um, and so yep. we, we're starting to see the depth chart emerge a little bit, but still uh, a lot of things to kind of dive into here Um and let's start with the linebackers, all right? So some big storylines. Um, you obviously have the return of super senior C.J. Avery, who will return for what feels like his 19th year as the starting linebacker. Um, they did not return Dorian Etheridge and Roger Burns, two guys who had the option to use that, that extra year. Uh, instead, they opt to play in the NFL, and we've seen uh, that, that be a good decision for Dorian Etheridge with the Falcons last couple of weeks in the preseason. Uh, and then overall, not much movement in terms of transfers. Louisville's been hit by the transfer portal. Uh, what program hasn't this offseason, Matt? Uh, mm-hmm. But they, uh, at this position, have been very fortunate to keep uh, a really, really solid group of guys. Um, and the thing we've seen as the, one of the big storylines um, in fall camp is the emergence of Monty Montgomery and y- Yasir Abdullah and Nick Okeke. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the group of linebackers, both inside and outside, from top to bottom could be arguably one of Louisville's best units overall. I mean, yes, Sierra and Nick, they've been going at it throughout camp. They, they, whoever gets the start position at dog that they're going to give meaningful minutes, contribute meaningful time and whatnot. And then with the middle linebacker core with CJ and Monty, I mean, uh, Derek Nicholson said it during his availability that he thinks that this could be the best linebacker duo in the entire ACC. And it's, it's, it's not hard to see why. I mean, CJ, CJ has been starting since his freshman year. And like you said, it feels like he's been here for 19 years and Monty, I mean, he wasn't even a starter last year, but you could make the argument that he was the defense's X factor. So now that he's a starter, it's, it's exciting to see uh, what he's capable of doing this year. And then over at card, I mean, it's not nearly as talked about, but Marvin Dallas and Jack Vigo, those, those, it could be an interesting battle over there. It's, it's been interesting, interesting to see uh, Jack Vigo's transition from safety to, to a outside linebacker. And even Corginison said he could still have some position versatility there between playing that position, maybe going back into the back end and playing, taking some reps at safety. I, this, We've heard all season long about how position versatile this entire defense is, and I think you don't really the the the, the linebacker core pretty much cap not really capitalizes. It's 
oh, what what is the word I'm looking for? The, I don't know. You've you've they lost epitomize, me on where you're going. They here. epitomize on how versatile this defense is. That's Definitely. even the wrong words. It, <laughs> it might be because I still am not quite sure where you're going with that. But overall, what I think you're trying to say is they've got guys that can play at a lot of spots. We've heard yes. about the the flip flopping essentially of uh, Yasir Abdullah playing, you know, the card spot at time, Nick OKK at the dog spot. Then you you know your inside line. And OKK is taking some snaps at middle linebacker too. Yeah, so there's a lot of position versatility there. Let's let's jump into the depth chart side of things here, uh, Matt. I, I think that we can both agree, and I'll let you kind of dive into um, what you have as the, at the as the starters. But I think we can agree on the starters across the board. Yeah, pretty much. At, at dog, I think it's going to be a zero duel starting, but Nick OKK just because he's not the starter, I think he's. It's, I think it's going to be like 60-40 the starting reps there over at dog because Nick OKK is having a really really good offseason and a really good fall camp. Of course, there's not really much debate as to who's going to be the starter and the linebackers is going to be CJ Avery and Monty Montgomery. And then over at card, I know the preseason depth chart listed Marvin Dallas as the starter before fall camp, but based on everything we've heard throughout camp from um from Court Dennison and others, I think Jack Vigo is probably going to be the starter at that position heading into the season. But that's not to say Marvin Dallas has had a bad offseason. Jack Vigo has just had a better one. Yeah, I think that that card spot is interesting and probably one of the more um, I'm trying to think time sensitive position battles like we're going to go down to the wire. It feels like maybe there at that spot won't really know who's the starter until maybe the week of. But uh, Marvis Dallas is a guy that Marvin Dallas is a guy that feels like he he may not start week one against Ole Miss, Matt, but maybe by week eight, he's firmly, you know, put himself in that starting yeah, line. He'll be spot. firmly entrenched in the rotation. That's for sure. He's too much of a freak athlete to not see you know, meaningful playing time. Right. And for, for the audience who isn't familiar with uh, Marvin Dallas, uh, you know, cause he didn't play much last year, Matt, we talk about him kind of like as a mainstay as this defense this year, because we, you know, obviously have watched the depth chart. We've seen players leave, whatever, all the things that have happened in the off season that the average fan might not know as they get caught up now in fall camp. Marvin Dallas was a Juco guy who came in with a lot of potential last year, extremely undersized. I think he came in at less than 200 pounds, maybe right above it um, as an outside And he's still linebacker. right around that mark too, like, but he's still gaining weight. Absolutely. And, it, and that's not even a slight on him. And, and uh, but what I'm saying is, is this is a guy that came in with a lot of potential. He didn't play much last year until the end of the season. Um, and then there was a little bit of action with him on special teams. And if you go back and you watch some of the late games in the season, and I think he did get hurt somewhere in that, in that, part late part but uh when he was on the field man he was an impressive very very fast guy that you could see had a nose for the football um and matt you could agree that missing tackles has been one of the biggest issues with the linebacking core for the last i don't even know five to seven years it feels like yeah it, it seems it seems like it's been a defensive issue for a while now now it started it, it did get better in the second half of last year absolutely did but in, that, in those first few games it was i mean and they had a lot of issues including you know not securing turnovers but you know Missed tackles was one of them. It did get better as the season went on, but I'm interested to see how the linebacker core approaches this to start the season. If they can start off on a really good note, I think that'll it'll set the tone for the rest of that unit, both with the secondary, with the D-line, with the front seven as a whole. They, they, they just need to wrap up more. It's as simple as that. Hey, that. I love that right there. Save that for the big tape. Um, let, let's talk about this, the depth at linebacker there. There's a lot of depth at the inside positions with the middle linebackers. You talk about Avery, then you've got Chloe behind him, who is another Juco guy. You've got Dorian Jones, who's been here for several years. TJ Quinn moved over from safety. There's a couple of other guys that are in the mix there. Uh, at the outside linebacker at the card and the dog spot, it, does it feel, Matt, that behind um, the, the top two guys that there's a big dip 
in terms of, you know, certainty and, and talent, maybe I'm not, I'm not really sure. I don't know if talent's a little bit too far, but um, I'm not sure that we know who those guys are. And if there's that, there are players behind them who are going to be able to step in uh, if something happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if talent depth is the right word. I think that the guys who get the starting reps get a lot more recognition. That's for sure. But I, I feel like the guys behind them are still just as serviceable, you know, guys like Jalen Alderman, um, Jackson Hamilton, Dorian Jones, TJ Quinn, KJ Cloyd, those are all really serviceable guys, but the guys who are in front of them are, you know, are so good that they, they just get buried on the depth chart, even though they're not that far on the depth chart. So I, I think any one of those backups could be, you know, extremely serviceable. Now, are they going to be as good as the starters? No, of course. That's why the starters are the starters, but there's a couple guys who I'm extremely high on going forward. I'm, I'm interested to see how, excuse me how kj cloyd will be because i I remember watching his film when he committed last offseason i was extremely sold on him he had he basically looked like the next monty montgomery before monty montgomery was monty montgomery breach yes yes i agree he was someone who like the very first play i saw on his on his film was was him just looking like he was shot out of a cannon and just blasting someone at the line of scrimmage and then he he's someone who had who had a lot of explosiveness has just just loves to hit and that, that he didn't really get a lot of reps reps last season and he he might not get a lot this season just because like i said the guys in front of him are so good but i think in terms of long-term potential he's someone to watch out for um tj quinn is interesting too because i really thought that he was probably going to stay at safety especially considering how relatively thin the safety room is especially considering the um, happenings over the last week or so but if the staff feels comfortable having him as a middle linebacker, I'm all for it. He's a bit undersized, but you, you know, th- at that position, we've seen um, the linebacking core overall in football, not just in college, but the NFL go towards those smaller, faster guys. So there's always, you know, he's not going to have to play right away. Still a lot of potential for him to, um, you know, kind of grow into that role. And we let's go back to the four game redshirt rule, right? That is coming back mm-hmm. this year. Um, so four games, uh, they'll be able to get action in before having to determine if they're going to sit them down to, to maintain that red shirt year or keep them playing. So that'll certainly be something to watch for. Um, I want to throw out another name at linebacker and it's, uh, we are, let me look at this. We are 10 minutes into talking about linebackers, Matt, and we have failed to mention <laughs> Cam Wilson, who was the, uh, you know, premier guy in the 20, uh, what, the 2020, 2019 class. I've even lost track at this point. Uh, what year that um, that Cam Wilson came in, but um, I haven't seen him on the field yet. I know there were some injury issues. There's Yasir Abdul, there's Nick Okeke. There's a lot of talent there. Both him and he get on the field Peterson. this year. Yeah, yeah. Did they see the field this year? You think either him or Zay Peterson see the field this year? I, I, we were just mentioned the redshirt rule. I, th- I think, I think he's someone that's going to probably get a redshirt this year just because he's going to get buried on the depth chart. Now, granted, we've only had a couple. Uh, practices during fall camps to actually watch and I, I wasn't there for the last one because you know dealing with rona and whatnot but i digress um he he's someone who, like who it could take a few games to figure out like what his role on the team and it's not just in the linebacking position uh the the staff has said all across the board how there's su- a little bit of relative uncertainty like with the wide receivers, we're not sure who's going to be the go-to guy. It might take a few games to dictate who's going to be that guy. And just like with the linebackers, it might take a few games, a few games to really hammer out that rotation there and see if guys like a Cam, Cam Wilson, a Zay Peterson, a Dorian Jones, TJ Quinn, KJ Cloyd, how they're going to impact the game and crack, get in the, 
in the rotation and what exactly that rotation is going to be. All right, let's we've kind of discussed depth chart. Let's let's end here with some predictions before we move into the secondary. Uh, do we agree that the leading tackler will be CJ Avery again this year in terms of line? I mean, uh, he's led the team the last what two years in tackles. He's led the team the last two years, and he was second three years ago. So I think it's not it's not far off. <laughs> so the mark it, to pre- so I guess my question would be: Are you taking CJ Avery or the field to lead the team in tackles? Oh God, that's a good question. That's that's a I don't know which it, it, it's hard to pick against him but there's so many guys on the team now who are who are good tackles i i think uh quinterio cole could be a contender for leading tackle just because of i'm still sold on how jacked he is from seeing him in that first pre in that first uh fall camp practice but you know you know what's screw it i'm gonna take cj avery yeah i think the obvious answer there is cj avery um okay so let's talk about uh the big the other big stat with linebackers and that is sack getting up to the quarterback last year 15 of the 21 sacks that Louisville had came from the linebacking uh, core led by Monty Montgomery who led the team with four sacks like wow four sacks uh Yasir Abdullah was next with three then you had a- a- Etheridge with two and a half Avery with two Burns with two and then Jack Fago with one so Matt I ask you uh, are you taking Monty Montgomery or the field this year from the linebacking core to lead the team in sacks Oh, I'm, I'm taking Monty Montgomery because, I mean, he, he led the team in sacks last year. I mean, now, and he wasn't even a starter. So now that he's in a full-time uh, starting position and his role has been increased, yeah, he's going to have a lot more reps and pass coverage. But, I mean, considering his sacking ability last year and playing behind Dorian Etheridge, now that Etheridge isn't there, I, I'm still I'm going to give it to Monty Montgomery. He's going to be the sack leader, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he in his first season at Louisville, at, at, in the very first time as a reserve at Louisville, five, five sacks led the team. Like 2019, now 2020, he's led the team in sacks. I'm going to go with the field, though. You know why? Because I feel really confident in Yasir Abdullah. I, I just think this is that the is year true. where he puts it all together, man. And um, you see the 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 comments from the coaches. Um, I hate to brag on myself because I don't, I don't typically do that too much, but I have been saying like what they are saying now, since he was a freshman at L. like the dude is just incredibly built um, and he's got so much speed, so much raw potential. And I think that with this full off season, I heard him talking this week about the leadership aspect of it, man. I just expect him to be really good. And I think he's going to emerge as an NFL guy by the season end, man. Like I'm talking potentially, Maybe not second, even second or first team, but like third team, all ACC. I just think this is going to be a really special year for him. I, I'm picking the field, but I'm going to specifically, sorry, I'm struggling with words here on Sunday morning, specifically roll with you and me both, to, to lead the team in sacks. Uh, and then interceptions, fumbles, like that's not been necessarily a strong suit of that group, but um, is there a guy, is it CJ Avery, Monty Montgomery, that at the end of the year were like, man, he really did a lot to create turnovers. Well, to quote Monty Montgomery, he thinks he can get seven, six or seven picks this year. When I asked him that immediate day, he said that uh, the one thing that he was lacking in last year was his pass coverage. And he worked on that to the point where he genuinely thinks he can get six to seven interceptions. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to get that much, but if if his pass coverage is what he he says it is, or even close to a fraction, I I could easily see him grabbing a couple picks, maybe two, three, maybe not six or seven. That that would be like, you know, first if do that and get the amount of sacks, that's first Dude, he's team. Not good. Yeah. First that's team. Not, first that's not just pick, that's, like unreal. That's first team all ACC, maybe even like third team all American type stuff right there. 
that I, and I wouldn't put it past it, man. Again, I think I re- I referenced this a couple weeks ago on the show. Those like the NBA college basketball per forty stats, where you kind of get like this this bigger view of what a player would do with more production. If you put him in a per, per 40 model, dude, his numbers are going to be off the charts. He's going to be unreal this season as long as he stays healthy. Uh, I'm excited for him. All right, let's move into the secondary now. There's a lot to digest here, Matt. A lot of storylines, a lot of movement. Uh, let's start at the top that. here. Uh, if you go back to the end of 2020, both starters from last year's group decide not to use their extra year at Louisville. We'll get to one here in a second. One of them, uh, Isaiah Hayes, left to pursue an NFL professional career. Um Russ East is one that transferred to play at Kansas State, and that leads me to my next point of a lot of movement, 10 total transfers from the defensive back group uh, in the offseason. And I think it's going to shake out for the better for Louisville. Uh, They lose guys like East, Anthony Johnson, Jamel Starks, Telly Plummer, a couple of other names, uh, guys that were going to be depth pieces maybe could potentially emerge. Levy Jenkins, another one, which we'll get to here in a second. 10 total guys leave this offseason and kind of leaves you wondering what's next. All right, so they're not the only ones coaching staff a change here last year Shadon Brown led that group in the back end he is off to West Virginia this year they uh, have have brought in Greg Gasparato from Army who will coach that group a guy that Scott Satterfield has spoke uh, extremely highly of Matt Um, wouldn't you agree in terms of what he brings both on and off the field oh yeah I mean when when, I I know it's Army and they they run a slightly different scheme than the rest of college football I mean all the service academies do but anytime you've got the number one defense statistically in FBS I mean that's that's something to hang your hat on especially running a group like he did I mean that that secondary group was the reason Army had such a good defense so bringing him over was probably one of the more underrated coaching move or underrated moves period of the entire offseason because there's there's a lot of potential there and yeah there was a ton of roster shakeup in the overall secondary especially with the safety position right and before you get to that point let me throw that in the last storyline i'm actually was going to throw this in before we talk about the additions you lose lovey jenkins who was by all means expected to be the next guy to step into a starting role. And then more recently, kind of surprising Braylon Oliver, a guy who enrolled early uh, in this 2021 class was expected to be a really important piece. And just like that, he's off. Yeah. I, I'm not going to speculate as to why that happened. It, it, it could be any number of reasons. It could, he, maybe he was homesick. Maybe it was a mutual thing. I really don't know, but regardless, that's one less uh, piece in the safety room. So behind the guys who are going to be like the ones and twos, it's going to be a little bit thin, but like I was about to say, I mean, you have to feel good about where Lola is now, even though they're rocking with, you know, mainly newcomers. I mean, ever since he enrolled in like January, the staff has been incredibly high on Ken Derek Duncan. I mean, Brown said he's got like all ACC type potential and he said the same things about Kytro Clark and look how Clark <laughs> ended up. And he, he had an all ACC year. And he was a late addition to the team. He joined like just before fall camp. I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to see Clark with an entire offseason, how he's going to perform. But anyways, he's got the same type of phrase for Duncan. Q Cole, at first I was like, okay, he, he could be, you know, some depth. He could be do, do some meaningful things. And then I saw him out at practice. And I, I know I've brought this up many times. That dude is yoked. He, he looks like a linebacker. I thought he was a linebacker the first time I saw him. And then watching him get some reps in practice, and he looked the part, too. He looked pretty good. So I think even though Louisville is rocking with two newcomers at safety to start, I mean, I, f- I feel good about it. And I, I feel good about 
Ben Perry being the backup behind the Q Cole, Josh Minkins. I mean, he's coming off an injury and he's still, he was still nursing it through fall camp, but it seems like he's a relative full go now. But that first group, first two groups, actually, you, you have to feel good about. And the, the big question is, is what, what about behind them? Because at some point injury, injuries happen with football teams. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully nothing severe happens to any of these guys. But it's going to be interesting to see how that safety rotation plays out towards the end of the season. All right. So, again, here with the cornerbacks, I think we can agree across the board that Catrell Clark and Chandler Jones will be the starters once again. Is that right? No question. No question. All right. And then we'll also, just for the sake of football, you a lot of the times you see projected defenses throw that third corner in there. By all accounts, Greedy Vance, a guy that Brian Brown said is the 1C to the 1A and 1B of Clark and Jones, will clearly be that guy. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I, I think Greedy Vance is probably going to be the nickel. Uh, he's he's had a lot of flashes in his in his uh, freshman year last year. He's looked good in camp. I I think he, based off what I've seen of him last year and in camp, he basically looks like Tyshaw Clark light. He's not as good as Clark, obviously. Hot take alert. Hot take alert. <laughs> God, yeah, clip that. That's good. I like that. That's a good opinion, Matt. I really but value no, that. He, his game is similar to Clark's, and it's not all the way, like, at the level of execution that Clark's is, but like he's, he's super quick. He's super agile. He stays on the receiver's hip and he could be, he could become the next Kytra Clark, whether or not he gets to the level that Clark currently is remains to be seen, but there, there's good potential there. I mean, if you're, he, he fits the mold perfectly for a nickel back in this game. Yeah, and uh, speaking on what Clark brings this year, uh, he is a guy, Matt, that we said should have been first team all ACC last year. He was not. Um, I think what hurt him, like we talked about earlier this offseason, was the lack of interceptions, the dropped interceptions. This year, I think this is a guy that's first team all ACC and could potentially be a national All-American. Oh, yeah. Th- th- this is something I've not only said on the podcast here, but I've actually written about it. I, I wrote it a few months ago, you know, bold predictions for the season, yada, yada, yada. And one of them was that I think that Kytro Clark could be an All-American. I'm that high on him. I mean, he joined the program last season, I think about a month before the season began, and he ended up being named second team All-ACC. I mean, if you if you watch the games, I mean, not only was he Louisville's best defender, you could have made the argument he was Louisville's best player that year. He, w- he was that good. And that was all with just like a month of knowing the system. So he really only knew his position. He's had an entire off season to not only, you know, get more familiar with the system, but get, like learn the other positions, know what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be, what, what strengths, what weaknesses of certain coverages and whatnot. And now that he knows all that, it, it could be a, to use his phrase, it could be a dangerous year for him. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about one of the national breakout players of the year. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm a homer. I'm saying that because you look at him play, and it's a lot like Jair Alexander and the fact that yep. he literally shuts down half of the field. You know, uh, I know he didn't have the interceptions, but if you go back and you listen to the episodes that we did breaking down the 2020 season, we looked at some of those analytic stats, Matt, the uh, passes over 20 yards allowed, the, you know, drops forced, the, you know, obviously the pass breakups is a big vanity stat with, with cornerbacks. 
I mean, his numbers were off the chart. He was just missing those interceptions. And you talk about just the lack of an offseason last year. There is a true offseason this year that they have talked about how they have been on the jugs machine and they have been every day focusing on trying to catch the football. I see, you know, in some of the videos, Brian Brown just randomly tossing a football to a guy saying, catch the damn ball. Like, that's what we're out here to do. We're here to get interceptions. He does that this year. The sky's the limit. Um, I know he is a, a little bit undersized. I don't know. Cornerbacks kind of range these days in the NFL. Uh, but Matt, I mean, he has a good year. And this is a guy who I think could be a first round pick. Like, am I crazy? Is that too much? Because if you're comparing him to what Jair Alexander did, which maybe that's not fair at this point. Uh, but if he's in that status, I mean, this is a guy who could potentially be at least a first, second round pick next year. No, I don't think you're crazy. I think he could absolutely be a first round pick. Now, granted, there are some things he has to get better at, like, you know, securing the interceptions because I remember securing the bag, as they would say, yes, we've got to so. we've got to focus on securing the bag this year. Yeah, because I know at, at one point the man had like 10 PBUs. I think he actually finished the year with 10 PBUs. He was one of the national leaders in that category. But on the flip side of that coin, the reason he had so many PBUs was because he dropped so many interceptions. He dropped like four of them, three, four of them. He dropped a lot. And considering how bad Louisville's turnover margin was, I mean, that could easily swing a couple games here and there and flip that four and seven record, maybe to five and six, six and five last year. You know, and and same thing for this year. And not just him, but for the secondary as a whole, they just got to get better at securing those those interceptions. Those passes come their way. They're doing the hardest part, and I've said it before. They they're doing the hardest part and getting in position to make the play and getting to the ball, and they're failing to complete to execute the easiest part of it which is catch the ball yeah in marketing we call that the conversion rate like they just have a low conversion rate on turnovers we just got to improve that you bring that stat up a little bit and it's a completely different defense and all offseason we've heard from a defensive back standpoint well you know now we have better we have more experience and better edge rushers so we can get more pressure on the ball which allows us to take more risk we've got better back end coverage which allows us to gamble more we know where the routes are going we can jump them we can feel more confident and trying to make plays because we don't feel like um, we're vulnerable this year more so than years past to the big play I, I think that what defined Louisville's defense in 2019 was the uh, just inability to stop the big play I mean how many yep. games can you think of um, and it was even that way at the beginning of 2020 how many games can you think of where Louisville gave up three four five 50 60 70 yard plays I mean it was just one missed tackle here and then you know a guy not in position and then yeah, you hear one blown tackle one one ma and all it takes is just one guy to be out of sync and it just all unravels exactly right so this year this should be a more in sync defense when you have those two guys on the edge and one underrated storyline which I'm really excited to, to see when Keith Wynn gets excited about something just schematically on a football field, it's hard not to like kind of follow in that excitement. And for me, it's Chandler Jones getting some safety snaps because um, we kind of talked about, and we'll get into the, the depth chart listing of, of sorts here in a second, but um, that safety position is just kind of vulnerable to the lack of depth that they could be what the, um, defensive ends were last year or front three was last year, you know, where you just have one guy go down, one, two guys go down and it's uh, your defense just can't sustain. Um, and so I think it's important to find guys who can play in other roles. And for Chandler Jones, a, a veteran cornerback who is one of the most underrated players in the ACC to be able to take snaps and, and um, compliment the, the Q Coles and the, the Duncans of the world of your roster, man, what a valuable asset that is. Oh yeah. Well, when Keith gets excited about something, I mean, 
that's that's when you know you should be excited about something because as as big a football nerds as we are, I mean, he's <laughs> excuse me, he's arguably the biggest football nerd there is out there. So seeing him get excited about the potential for Q Cole, the potential for Chandler Jones going back and forth between corner and safety. It's hard not to get excited and it's hard not to get excited about this, this unit's potential. Now potential is a funny word because you're talking about, you know, something that's theoretical and not something that's maybe guaranteed to happen, but considering this was already a top 20 passing defense yesterday, uh, not yesterday, last season. I mean, they could, they could easily contend for top 10, top five, can, even with all the shakeup they've had both on the roster, on the coaching staff and all that. Yeah, we talked about at the, the back ends just how much turnover they had this season with guys leaving. Uh, but they also brought in a lot of really talented pieces at, at cornerback, which we haven't really talked about here. Kenai Walker was the, the highest rated of the, the guys that came in this offseason at just specifically at corner. He's a big guy, man, 6'1", 6'2". I'm really excited to see his potential. He's not a, a blazing guy, but he's like a, a, I would say, like a more improved version of Anthony Johnson. Very long. He's going to have a lot of pass breakups. Um, he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch. And he's a guy that has been listed on the, the two deep at corner, um, potentially, you know, as a backup playing uh, behind Chandler Jones. So uh, there's also Derek Edwards who came in in the class. He's a hybrid cornerback safety. Seems like he's probably going to play more cornerback. Uh, you got Rance Connor, another guy out of Miami on the smaller side, 5'10". Um, and then you you have Trey Franklin, who I've heard the coaching staff talk about just briefly. He was a Juco late addition uh, from Iowa Western. And then Shavarik Williams, who I've not heard much about, but another guy. So there's a lot of depth there. But, um, you know, what they make of it is going to be really interesting to see. Uh, and then it's safety, Matt. Just I think we can, again, we can agree here. Most likely it's going to be Kendrick Duncan um, and Quinterio Cole as the starting free safety and strong safety, respectively. Would you not agree? I would agree. I would, and I would see Ben Perry maybe getting some run between those two spots because he's he's too good of an asset to not get some sort of meaningful playing time, especially with him being as highly regarded as a recruit he is. Now, again, he's still a freshman. He's going to have freshman moments. So Q Cole, Kenderick, Minkins, guys like that are probably going to get the lion's share of some of those reps, but I can see Ben Perry being flexible enough to go be, uh, between those two spots and even some linebacker considering he's 6'2", 201. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Ben Perry is going to be in this defense. He's got so much potential, and and I really like Quinterio Cole. I think that, you know, a hot take alert here, ring the bells. I would not be shocked, Matt, if both uh, Cole and Duncan are drafted. Uh, I'll say that right now, in 2022. I would not be shocked at all if both guys were drafted. I'm not saying they're going to be first rounds, first round, third round, but maybe five through seven late back. Like, like a draft. day They've three selection. Real, yeah. yeah, right. They've got the potential I mean, for it. Absolutely. I mean, dude, Duncan looks like an NFL player already. You, you, you've talked about how excited are you. He's kind of like like Quinterio Cole is your defensive version of Trevion Cooley. Like you just can't stop talking about him <laughs> at this point. Um, but so it's, I, I mean, this group, I know it's a lot of what ifs and what ifs have not been good to Louisville over the last several years. If we're speculating a what if it's typically going on the, the wrong side for Louisville, but I really do think that this back, this back end at safety can be better and make this defense much better than it has been because of what Duncan and Cole did at a smaller level coming up experience chip on the shoulder. There's depth behind them talent. You got versatile guys at multiple positions. Your cornerbacks are emerging. The secondary is going to be one of the most fun things to watch on this team in 2021. No, I agree there. But again, th things could unravel in a bad way if you know guys start getting dinged up or say some some players not performing to the level of who we we think there might be. Because I mean, the, the margin for error with the safeties, maybe not the secondary as a whole, but the safeties is probably the small one of the smaller ones on the entire roster, just because there's not a bunch of guys there. 
So while it has potential to go bad, it has potential to be great. I absolutely agree with you. Okay, Matt, let's let's go to the prediction side of this before we wrap the show up here. Uh, last season, um, from a tackling standpoint, the safety cornerback groups uh, were led by uh, Rush East last year with 45 tackles. Uh, not many other stats there from him. Three pass deflections, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, no interceptions. Who leads the, the team in uh, tackles in the, back, in the secondary this year? I think it's going to be Duncan because he's – He's been spoken of the, the highest, I mean, out of all the coaches this, this offseason, more so than Ben Perry. I know Q Cole is a late addition, but he's been spoken more so than them. Even when Braylon Oliver was here, he even he he was spoken in a more highly regard than him. So I I'll admit that I haven't I didn't get to watch a ton of film of him when he was at Georgia Southern, but it's hard not to it's hard to envision him not being the leading tackler in the safeties. I agree with you, but I don't think that our audience wants me to agree with you because that what fun is that if we're both all over the same page and saying right. the same things about it? I'm going to go with Cole, man. I, I mean, I know that um, that Ben Perry has the potential to play more snaps probably than a guy like Josh Minkins. Um, so when you look at what's going to have that kind of repercussion of who's on the field more, that probably means that Kendrick Duncan is going to play a lot of He's going to play a lot of snaps, but I just really like what Cole brings to this group. He, like you said, man, he, his intangibles, his measurables are off the charts. Um, he is a really, 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 really talented player. I don't have his tackle numbers in front of me, so I can't even pretend to know what he did in the, the past. Matt, you've written about him more than I have, so you probably know. Uh, but I, I do see that he's led the team in tackles at, at Alcorn State in the past and that he's a guy that likes to get after it. So I'm going with Cole, man. I think he's going to be uh, – the second best newcomer on this group, but he just slightly gets the edge and tackles. What about interceptions? Where do you go there? Ooh. With just the safeties or with the secondary as a whole? Just the, just the secondary, just because this is a, you know, obviously we talked about Monty Montgomery having five or six, but the secondary typically is where your leader and in interception from the team is going to come from. Maybe in some instances, that's not the case. So, but just for this, let's just only look at the secondary. Uh, I don't want to just just blindly say Duncan again, just because I've already mentioned why I like him. But I'm 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 going to say Ben Perry. I think it's it'll probably take a few games for him to truly get comfortable with this with the you know in game live reps at the college level. But I think once he gets going, he'll be hard to stop. Yeah, I could I could see that. I think uh, the easy answer would be Control Clark, just because he's going to probably have the most. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put this. I don't want to say opportunities. He's going to probably have the least opportunities because they're going to be going away from him so often, but he's such a talented guy that he's going to take advantage of quarterbacks who try to test him. And, you know, he's going to slip routes and be able to take advantage of it, but I'm not going to say him after all of that. I'm going to go with Chandler Jones. I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I've, I feel some type of way about him. He didn't have interception last year. I don't think, uh, but this year he's going to be, he's going to be in a, just two different spots um, playing both cornerback and safety. I think that you're going to see defenses try to try to go on his side, considering what's on the other side. Uh, we've seen how that happens in the past when Jair Alexander was on the field. Guys like Tremaine Washington, um, Charles Gaines, other players had opportunities to, to get interceptions. I think that'll be the same case here, right? I think that you'll, you'll see Chandler Jones put in a lot of places to make an interception. And uh, I think that they have been so much – uh, hearing and having the, the catch the football hammered into their heads this offseason that they're going to make the plays more times than not next, next year. So my hot take, Chandler Jones leads the group in interceptions. Uh, and that's if that's the case, Matt, 
what a season they could have in the, in the secondary. If you're, if you have Duncan or Jones leading the team in interceptions and you have Clark still having a first all American type of year, that defense has got some scary potential. It'll, it'll definitely help flip those 50, 50 games. Louisville could easily go from the record they had last year to eight and four really easily. I mean, easily. I still, I still think this, the, where this team is going to end up is about seven and five, maybe six and six if, if they fall into a trap game, but I could easily see that going up to eight and four. I really can because there are so many 50 50 games. In there. I mean, there, there are some games where you can just pencil in a loss. There are some games where you can pencil in a win, but there's a lot of games where depending on the minutia of things could easily swing, swing one way or another. Yeah. And if you've got those kind of guys making uh, opportunities come to light like that and making interceptions, man, is it going to be fun? All right. That's going to do it here for us. We are wrapping up our depth chart uh, preview for the 2021 season. The next time you hear from us in a new episode, we will be discussing our predictions for the year. We've already given you a ton of predictions on players, but we're going to get into our records and what Louisville does with the season. Uh, If you're hearing my voice right now, that means that our opponent preview series episodes are out. That is six brand new episodes of Matt and I diving into our opponents, uh, uh, the Louisville football opponents in 2021. A huge, huge thank you to all of the writers, podcasters, and and content creators that joined us along the way. Had a ton of fun doing those. So for Matt and myself, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.